Hello, everyone. Hi. My name is uh, Pastor Mina, and uh, today is uh, the third Sunday of June. Uh, for those of you who do not know, June is our Women's Ministry Month. And so here at the Busan campus at Seaside, as well as all two campuses in Seoul, it will be all women preachers uh, who will be giving the word. Also, uh, many women leading praise as well at the Hillside campus. And Sister Kelly did a wonderful job today. Yes, she did. <laughs> That's her husband. Yeah. We're very encouraging here. And so uh, it's also a special day today because today is the leadership banquet. And a leadership banquet is just a time for us to really honor the leaders who've been serving us. Uh, the active leaders here, they're pretty much people who are leading small groups or community groups or uh, different ministry teams. It's a time for us to honor them. And so it's going to be a really special time. Uh, luckily, at Seaside, we still have some open spots. And so if you like good food, good buffet food at a reasonable price and also fellowship, we want to invite you guys out to it. Uh, even if it is your first Sunday, uh, just come and experience the culture that's here, uh, the culture of really honoring our leaders, but also honoring one another. And so we want to give a special thanks to the reserve leaders and the members and the people here who've been serving all throughout the week, bubbling up their creative uh, things to sing us songs, give us raps, videos, testimonies, presentations, okay? All for our entertainment, Okay, but also for honoring us, and so we want to invite you guys out today. Um, today, I am going to preach on a topic uh, that has greatly affected me personally, uh, it's, but it's also affected the lives of many close friends and family back home, uh, many people that I encounter here in Korea. And it's interesting, this week, as I kind of, you know, we randomly reconnect with people on Facebook, uh, talk with people, and I really felt like God was highlighting this message because I had realized that this issue, this problem, is wreaking havoc in many of the lives of the people that I know. And this is not just an issue uh, with me or people that I know, but it's also very much an issue here in Korea. Uh, it's a problem that I believe is, is uh, wrecking our nation here and something that we need to be aware of uh, something we really need to fight against and this is the religious spirit you know so many of the people that i had reconnected with on facebook many of us we grew up in the church and many of them have fallen away from the church because of the religious spirit now, the religious spirit is one of the most wicked and demonic spirits out there. Its main target audience is to do the work within the church. Strange, huh? You come to church to be oppressed by the spirit. It often, it welcomes you, it beckons you into the house, into the church. And then once you commit to the church, it begins to oppress you. Once you've stepped in, it's one of the most wicked spirits out there. Uh, a lot of, uh, you know, different demonic spirits. We have to go outside of the church. For instance, uh, all, all in the city of Pusan or in Seoul, you see those uh, little tarot card readers, right? Okay, those kind of demonic spirits. But this demonic spirit is something that Satan has targeted for the church 
to destroy the church and to really uh, slow down the moves of God everywhere. Uh, so if you can take a look, our, our main passage comes from Matthew 12, uh, verses 1 through 2. I'll be reading from the ESV. At the time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. Okay, so in this passage, uh, Jesus is going through the grain fields. It's Sabbath day. Uh, and in Jewish culture, on the Sabbath, you're not really allowed to do anything of, of that exerts some kind of power. And so even if you go to Israel today, after 5 p.m., all the power shuts out. Everything needs to be done manually. And it's something that the Jewish people very much hold it by was the Sabbath. And his disciples were hungry. Uh, they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they were filled with displeasure. And they said, hey, Jesus, look at your disciples. Uh, they are doing something that is not lawful. Now, this gives us insight on what religious spirits are about. And the first thing are that religious spirits are very uptight. They are very uptight. Now, have you ever been around people like that? Uh, you know, they're very good Christians. They follow every book, they follow every rule in the book. They're really uptight. So I, I started watching uh, Ally McBeal recently again. It's one of my favorite shows in the past, but what I'm realizing now is it's, she's, uh, it's very messed up, the show. What's interesting was they highlighted this Christian girl who was uh, very, very uptight. She would always, uh, go to her company and, and give out these things like, hey, uh, at the Christmas party, please don't uh, fall into debauchery and please like do this. She'd steal all the mistletoes. Uh, she would talk about how not to be promiscuous. And in the show anyway, she was being sued or she was, uh, they were not allowing her to be a partner because she was so uptight. When I looked at her, I was like, man, this girl is very uptight. Okay. Have you ever been around Christians like that? Or perhaps you're not a Christian and you're exploring, but when you've seen Christians, you definitely don't want to become one because it seems like they are so wound up. Now, the Pharisees of Jesus' time, the Pharisees uh, in this passage, they were righteous and devout men. Okay, back then, uh, they were very highly esteemed, not just by people that were religious, but by everyone, by all of society. But the problem with the Pharisees was that they were filled with a religious spirit. Religious spirits are all about appearing right. Everything we must do on the outside must be right and religious. They're so concerned about the outer appearance, and they always want to do what seems right, that oftentimes they come off very uptight. Okay, these are the people, when they see something wrong, they feel like it's their mission to put you in your place. Okay? Uh, these are the people that if you're dressed in a weird way, 
or perhaps you're doing things that don't appear well, they want to put you in your place. Freedom is very foreign to people under a religious spirit. And so if you hang out with the wrong crowd, people who do not dress well, or perhaps they do not speak well, they will whisper about it with others. They are very uptight. And a religious spirit is so obsessed with appearing holy that it robs people of the joy and life that Christianity is supposed to bring under the banner of being right. Now, growing up in the church, I grew up with a lot of this because, you know, I would encounter people. And this is when, you know, I was pretty excited for God. As many of you know, I have a very backslidden lifestyle. But when I was excited for God, there were so many times that adults would come up to me and tell me, Hey, Mina, you're a little bit too loud. (laughs) Please don't be so excited about these things. Or, Hey, your shirt is a little bit short. You know, belly tees were really in back when I was in middle school. I was in sixth grade and belly tees from guests particularly were very in. Okay, So I liked wearing my belly tees and my mom let me wear them. So anyway, many people would come up to me. And they would rebuke me on the spot without any kind of relationship, okay? And this was very annoying, okay? But also turned me off a lot, okay? Uh, If you look a chapter before, or two chapters before, sorry, three, Matthew 9, 12 minus 3 is 9, okay? Go to uh, Matthew 9. (laughs) Okay, go to chapter, sorry, Matthew 9, verse 10. Uh, Now Jesus was hanging out and eating with tax collectors and so-called sinners. When the Pharisees saw this, they started whispering amongst each other because it didn't seem right to them. So Jesus overheard them and said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Okay, so Jesus' response to these uptight religious Pharisees is, hey, I should just calm down a little. Loosen up. Uh, Don't be so uptight. He's showing them that, hey, this right now, that what's happening here, this is what the kingdom is all about. Okay, bringing healing to the sick. Uh, bringing the power of the kingdom to God, who are, quote-unquote, sinners. When the Pharisees saw Jesus with these sinners, uh, let's say modern day, it could be people with tattoos, you know, all over their body or on their arms, okay? Uh, Piercings, okay? People who are drinking and smoking, perhaps people who wear gothic makeup or all black clothing, Okay? They were so uptight about these things that they couldn't celebrate the amazing revival that was taking place with Jesus and these people. You know, oftentimes smoking and drinking, cursing, these kind of outer issues is not the real issue. Uh, These people need Jesus and they need to encounter him. You know, the more they know Jesus, these problems will take care of itself on its own. In Matthew 9, after the religious spirit points out who Jesus is hanging out with, the very next passage, 
they criticize Jesus and his disciples for not fasting. Uh, so Jesus takes his time to really preach an awesome truth here. Okay, so let's go to Matthew 9, uh, 14 through 17. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus said to them, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. No one puts a piece of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. For the patch tears away from the garment, and a worse tear is made. Neither is new wine put into old wineskins. If it is, the skins burst, and the wine is spilled, and the skins are destroyed. But new wine is put into fresh wineskin, and so both are preserved. Okay, this passage shows the second uh, thing of a religious spirit, and that is that people with religious spirits are stubborn. Okay, in here it says the old wineskin uh, that Jesus is talking about is re representing the stubbornness of a religious spirit. Okay, an old wineskin, he uses this example often in the Gospels. It's not moldable. It's not stretchable. It's unable to contain the new wine. Okay, here, new wine uh, represents, can represent new experiences, a fresh outpouring of God's spirit. So if they get an outpouring of the new wine, people with religious spirits, their stubborn minds will reject the move altogether. And this is happening a lot in the world right now, as God is pouring out a spirit all over the world. Satan has planted religious spirits into the minds of many of our church leaders, and many of them stubbornly reject various revivals of today because it doesn't look right, or perhaps because it doesn't fit what they're used to. And instead, they decide, uh, decide to utilize man-made formulas rather than finding true discernment. In our Christian life, every one of us is vulnerable for letting our hearts become like old wineskin. Uh, Pastor Christian has a really good quote, so he says it best. The more experiences, knowledge, and wisdom we gain as Christians, the more likely we are to consider that the old wine, okay, which is the revival of yesterday, is better and dismiss new moves of God before they have a chance to come into maturity. So this means as a Christian, you're growing. Uh, you've been in the ministry a long time. You're gaining a lot of wisdom and knowledge. This means that you are very susceptible to a religious spirit. Not the caring one, but being attacked by a religious spirit. Because once you think that you have all the answers that, hey, I've seen everything that God has done, that this is the only way that God can move, then you have now made yourself vulnerable to an old wineskin heart where you begin to reject the things that God is doing, the things that he's anointing, uh, the things that he's, man, moving in power, your heart closes and becomes one like old wine. Now, a good example of this is in hymns. Now, I grew up in a Korean church, and so they all sing the uh, American hymns, but in Korean. And so recently I picked up a hymnal because, you know, I was trying to, I'm trying to uh, get my piano skills back, and so sometimes I'll try to play hymns and things. Okay, I read through it, like a song, and I was like, oh my goodness. 
there was so much theology in here. It's like something, something, something redeemed. I had to look up stuff because these hymns, they carry so much theology. They talk about the Bible in like very specific ways. And it was really powerful back then. Uh, that's why even if I go to my mom's home church or I go back to the States, that many of at least our Korean parents are still kind of stuck on the hymns. And it was very powerful back then, but we have to look at it, is that today uh, the anointing is no longer on hymns. You know, now and then we can sing songs, we can sing uh, different hymns and kind of reminisce back to our old days. Uh, but why is it that so many churches today still choose to sing hymns? Is it perhaps out of uh, tradition? Is it perhaps out of preference? Uh, but what we have to realize is sometimes the things that are anointed yesterday are not always anointed for today. Now, we can honor these hymns and still believe what God has done through them. But now, uh, today, uh, many of the potent moves of God are in the new, fresh Hillsong United. Okay, you notice that even Hillsong United, uh, they're in Assemblies of God. They're a charismatic, or sorry, Pentecostal church. Okay, but their music is making its way in like all around the world. You know, we've been on missions a lot, Caleb and I. I've been to the Philippines and Thailand and India. And all those little kitties are singing Hillsong United. Okay, they've memorized them. They jump up and down to them. That even when we don't have the lyrics, they all know the Hillsong United songs. And it's because right now God is anointing this kind of praise music that people, even if, uh, although they can, you know, it's through music that people are getting ministered to. It's through music that as they sing these songs of God, that God starts to encounter them powerfully. And God is anointing these kind of music. Now, perhaps later on, uh, when we're a little bit older, okay, when we're 30s or 40s, perhaps there will be a new move of God. Perhaps it will be different type of music. And so, you know, us growing up, we might think like, oh, yeah, remember Hillsong United? It was so much fun and kind of reminisce. But there, will, there, there can be a time that God will choose to anoint something else. And in that time, we have to recognize and be able to move along with God's spirit to accept what he is anointing and to come into agreement with it. Now, the effects of an old wineskin uh, can disqualify us for a new outpouring of God's spirit. That's why it's so critical that we are aware of a religious spirit and that we fight against it. Or else there can be amazing revivals, things going on in the nations that are happening and we can completely miss out because our hearts and our minds are still stuck on the old ways that God had moved. We cannot take everything that God anoints and turn it into a rule of governing revival. That's not a new wineskin heart. That's a stubborn old wineskin heart. And as Christians, we have to observe how and where God's spirit is moving and it's our job to adjust accordingly. It says that we're filled by the Spirit. If we're sons of God, we must be led by the Spirit. We cannot choose what we like. It's our duty. It's our choice. It's our obedience that we will adjust to what God's Spirit is highlighting at this hour. Now, let, uh, let me explain uh, why many people tend to end up with the old wineskin heart. Um, 
from Deuteronomy, if you could turn to Deuteronomy 6.17. Okay, it says, You shall diligently keep the commandments of the Lord your God and his testimonies and his statutes which he has commanded you. Uh, So if you take a look at this verse, there's three things that God is asking us to diligently do. First is to keep the commandments of the Lord. Now, this is pretty self-explanatory. This is when God, if he gives a commandment in the Bible, you do it. Uh, So in the the Ten Commandments, it says, do not steal. Uh, So we do not steal. It also says uh, to honor your mother and father and to not to bow down to an idol. I think this is pretty self-explanatory. God wants us to keep the commandments. Uh, The second thing is that he wants us to keep his testimonies. And this means that as Christians, we have to keep in the habit of remembering. Remembering what God has done in our lives. Uh, Remembering what God has done in history. And declaring these stories of God's supernatural intervention over our lives. Uh, Psalm 145.4 says, One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Uh, The next... uh, 145.6 says, they shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Okay, God is commanding us here to keep the testimonies. Because as many people, as even like the Israelites, they often forgot. And they forgot to see that God continually moved in the supernatural power and in their lives. And so in this way, we must also continue to declare his supernatural interventions. And when we declare what God has done, uh, there is great power released. Okay, what I want to focus on here in this verse is the third point, which is you shall diligently keep his statutes. Keeping the statutes of the Lord is different than keeping the commands. Basically, God's statutes are the principles and values that are contained in the commandments of God. So it's basically when you look at a command, you're trying to find the heart by which or why God is giving that command. For example, God commands us to honor our parents. That's the command, but the statute, the principle behind that is, hey, life flows through honor. God commands us to keep his statutes because he doesn't want us to only do what he says. He wants us to understand his heart. He wants us to know why. Why are we doing these commands? Why are we following these certain things? He wants us to grow as Christians, to mature, uh, to gain insight into his principles and the wisdom that are hidden behind the command so that we can mature to be a people that think like him and are at oneness with him. People who are uh, filled with the religious spirit are very good at keeping the commandments of God. But they are very clueless about, number two, keeping the testimonies, and also three, the statutes of God. They love upholding traditions and long lists of rules, but they have absolutely no interest in going deeper into the Father's heart and discovering the spirit that is governing those commands. Now, I've faced this time and time and again as well, still in my present life. You know, Pastor Caleb is our our campus pastor here. Uh, He does not have a seminary degree. If you don't know, he's also not graduated from college yet, okay? He's very close, but he doesn't have that. And so when I share with people back home, I'm like, man, 
God is moving in the city of Busan. I share your testimonies about how God's been powerfully encountering you, the bondage that's been broken off your life, uh, the different things that uh, powerfully God has ministered to Caleb and myself. And many times, those filled with the religious spirit, they completely dismiss what God is doing here. And they say, wait, who's, who are the pastors again of the church? I'm like, oh, me and Caleb are. And they're like, but you don't have a seminary degree. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so then who's taking care of the flock? And they completely dismiss the work that is going on here in Seaside. And when I see that, I'm very grieved, not only grieved, but very angered, not towards them, but how much the religious spirit is blinding them to the revival that is taking place here. Uh, let's go to Matthew 23, 23. I'll just read it for you guys. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting others. So Jesus is saying here, here you are, Pharisees. All you guys do is you tithe all these things. You stand up in public. You shout your prayers. You, you try to look good on the outside, but you have neglected the weightier matters of the law, which is justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Here, Jesus is showing them these are the statutes behind the law. These are the principles here. Take heed of the principles of my commands. Do not just follow my commandments. Now, a good example of this is, it says in the Bible, do not lie, right? Uh, a good example is, let's say, in, back in World War II, the Christians are uh, putting the Jewish people in their attics, okay? And so the Gustavo, the Nazi police, go around, and they ask you, are there Jews in your house? Okay, someone who is just following the commands of God will say, oh, I shouldn't lie. Yes, there are Jews in my attic. Okay, but people who are carrying the statutes of God's law, for that time, they will lie. Why? So that Jewish people wouldn't die. Okay, so that uh, justice, mercy, and faithfulness will be released. Okay, this is following the statute of God's law, but those with the religious spirit, are so concerned about following the rules, appearing right, and appearing holy. Uh, Matthew 12, 9, this is when, uh, again, Jewish confronts the religious leaders about the Sabbath. Now, if you guys look in the Gospels and really take a look at the Pharisees, you'll see that they're constantly confronting Jesus, questioning his authority. By what authority do you do this? Do you cast out these demons by being the prince of Beelzebub? Basically, they're saying, Jesus, you're under demonic oppression, and you are casting out these satanic demons because you are filled with the demon, okay? These Pharisees are constantly confronting Jesus, and we need to learn how to confront these kind of religious spirits. Um, in 12.9, Matthew 12.9, Jesus is confronting the people about the Sabbath. Now, basically, they were trying to set it up so they could accuse him. 
And because Jesus kept breaking the Sabbath, they were trying to show, hey, if Jesus is really from God, he shouldn't break the law. If he's doing this, then he can't be from God. But what Jesus was trying to show was not that he was breaking the commandments of God, but that he was keeping the heart behind the commandment. The values that were hidden in the Sabbath command were not by law, but were mercy and goodness. But the Pharisees failed to see this. Uh, Jesus said elsewhere in the gospel, the words that I speak to you are spirit and life. So as Christians, what we must do when we speak out the word of God, uh, whether it's us counseling people, whether we're sharing the gospel and evangelizing, whether we're counseling or just sharing testimonies, it's not just enough for us to get the right words. We have to speak out the life that is in these words. Religious spirits, they take the words of God, which are supposed to set you free, which are spirit and life, and they turn it into structure and death. A religious spirit is prone to old wineskin hearts, and they have a stubborn pride because they emphasize the commandments of God and not the statutes. Religious spirits, they love tradition. They love rules and regulations more than the testimonies. And whenever the religious authorities heard that Jesus or the apostles had healed someone new, they didn't rejoice, but they got upset because you know what? Hey, we're Pharisees. We're high in status. We're well-respected, but look at these fishermen who are doing these powerful things. Back in the day, fishermen were very, very, very low status job. They would get upset. They would be filled with jealousy. The strategy of a religious spirit is to box in the testimonies of God, uh, whether to a certain time frame or a certain period. Uh, people with a religious spirit, they can wholeheartedly believe every uh, miracle in the Bible, but believe that these testimonies do not reveal the nature of God and his kingdom today. They believe that it reveals God and his kingdom for a particular time uh, set apart by well-educated men. The people with the religious spirit can appear very religious and spiritual on the outside, but inside they are dead. You can identify them after a generation of ministry as time passes because there's no fruit. Uh, there's no people getting saved. Uh, you don't see people in their ministry being healed and delivered. Everything looks polished and great on the outside, but in the end, the kingdom of God is not being established. They are not bringing uh, the kingdom and Jesus' values into their ministry. Now, what the Bible says is that religious spirits, they have a form of godliness, okay, the outer appearance, but they deny the power of God. Religious spirited people find comforts in systems and in structures and things that can, they can control and take a hold of. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3.6 says, The letter kills, but the spirit gives life. And as Christians, it's so important that we're not led by the letters of tradition and rules, but by the spirit of God. And I think even uh, us today, that it's possible that we can sometimes fall into this kind of old mentality. Uh, even, in, even in healing and deliverance, uh, we have these principles and ways that we follow but people that have been ministering in this way for a long time, even myself, I've noticed that I fall into the pattern or the things to do of healing and deliverance. 
confessing and repenting and renouncing of these things instead of really following the Spirit, uh, the Holy Spirit, and what to do. We are all, we all can be susceptible uh, to being attacked by a religious spirit. Remember I said that a religious spirit is uptight? They're stubborn. A religious person will also appear righteous on the outside, but they're dead on the inside. And this is the third aspect of a religious spirit, that people with the religious spirit are full of hypocrisy. Uh, When they give, they do it to be seen by men. When they pray, they love to stand and pray in church, say all the right words, say a beautifully uh, worded and magnificent prayer at public events so that they can be seen by others. But they rarely take the time to pray on their own. When they fast, they let everyone know that they're fasting because they love to appear righteous before men, but inside have no life. Instead, they are full of various selfish and immoral motives. Now, the religious spirit, this is a very real uh, demonic spirit that attacks people. But this is also, it's a manifestation of man's flesh. Okay, Uh, we have a spirit and we have flesh. Our spirit follows God's spirit. Our flesh, it says that it it can put us to death when we follow our flesh. Uh, This kind of religious spirit is rooted also in man's lust for people's approval and praise. Now, when a person starts to value appearing more holy, rather than having the substance of it, they are very vulnerable to religious spirit. When a person cares more to what people think than what God thinks, or when they're more submitted to a fear of man instead of a fear of God, that's oftentimes when a religious spirit has entered. Hypocrisy is often a problem when a man is given into the lusts of the flesh, and one of those ways for that to manifest is the religious spirit. In Matthew 22, you notice that Jesus was very kind to the sinners, to the prostitutes, the tax collectors, but have you ever read and really paid attention to how he talks to the Pharisees? It's intense, okay? So we're going to read about this in Matthew 22 says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs. He's calling them like tombs, dead people, okay? Which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for if you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous saying if we had lived in the days of our fathers we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets prophets inside a tomb are dead people no one wants to go in there it's gross it smells bad But Jesus is telling the Pharisees, you decorate the outside, make it look great and beautiful, but inside all you carry is death. You're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He even extends this, hey, it's not just you guys. It's all the people before you. It's your ancestors. He says, hey, 
you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous. He's saying, hey, you guys say that if we had lived in the days of our fathers, we would have not taken part in the shedding of the blood. But actually, they're the same people that killed the forerunners. They're the same people that martyred the prophets. They're the same people that persecuted the people that went before. And Jesus is saying here, it wasn't the people outside of the church, but it was you, those inside. You killed all the prophets and forerunners of the day. And then you decorate the monuments saying, hey, if we were living today, we would have never done that. He tells them, you are guilty by just saying that. That these are what your forefathers did, and today you're doing exactly the same thing. Now, this is not just a problem of Jesus' day. This is a problem of today. Because the religious spirit is alive and very strong in the churches. It's not a Pharisee problem, because still in many churches today, this religious spirit is having havoc. Many people are still operating in this kind of spirit which is wreaking havoc in the churches. Now, if you look at uh, the history of different movements, of different revivals, even uh, really recent revivals like the Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida, if you kind of study the history, you notice that there's one thing that's common amongst these revivals, and that is persecution. Now, if you know, if you you know, look up different things like, for instance, I look, I like Joel Osteen a lot, so I look up his things, uh, his ministry, and when I type in Joel Osteen in the Google, uh, the first things that pop up isn't actually his uh, website; it's all the Joel Osteen haters. Okay, or if I, you know, whenever I type in different ministers, a lot of the time, the, isn't that crazy? That the first things that will pop up in Google is stuff that people hate about ministers and different things. That instead, people want to judge what is happening instead of really trying to discern and see the fruit of what is going on. Now, religious spirits, oftentimes, they cannot celebrate the testimonies of what is going on because they're so caught up in traditions. Religious spirits, again, are demonic, evil spirits, but it's not just you. Part of it is you. There can, but there can be an element of compulsion that is driven by an evil spirit. These religious spirits, again, they target those that are in the church. Um, and when the leadership of a church is not discerning, oftentimes these people can come easily into positions of authority. Why? Because on the outside, they have everything that looks good. They have a good resume. Uh, they have different qualifications. But once they are there, and usually with spirits, uh, religious spirits are driven by externals, their main desire is to seek the praises of men. And when a person's desire to please men outweighs the desire to please God, again, that is a religious spirit. When a person is filled with a religious spirit, they are not truly righteous. They just appear that way. And this is all their cover-up. They want to cover up their selfish ambitions, their pride. A religious spirit makes a man uptight, stubborn, and full of hypocrisy. That's why today you see so many random, uh, don't you love how the news loves to uh, talk about crazy things that happen in the church today? And oftentimes it's because a religious spirit has made its way into leadership. 
uh, that whether you hear about the person who steals from the treasury or one of the leadership having an affair with one of the members, okay, this is oftentimes because people have fallen into a religious spirit. Now, I want to take a moment and go back to my second point, which is talking about uh, the religious spirit and stubbornness. Uh, I want to clarify that this is not a stubbornness of the will. For example, uh, Pastor Caleb often asks me, honey, can you get me this? And I say, no, I'm tired. (laughs) You get it, okay? And Caleb could think, oh, my wife is a little bit stubborn, okay? Uh, This is not talking about the stubbornness of the will. Uh, But here, we're talking about the stubbornness of the mind. Uh, In 1 Samuel 15, uh, Saul disobeys the voice of the Lord. Uh, Saul is the uh, the king of Israel. He did not completely annihilate the Amalekites. And this is what the prophet Samuel says to him. In 1 Samuel 15, he says, And stubbornness is as iniquity as idolatry. Sorry, let me say that again. And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. So basically he's showing here that stubbornness in the mind and idolatry are are similar things. God hates the idolater in that way when we have a stubbornness of mind and we have the stubbornness of a religious spirit. This is when God, uh, we have to take it very seriously uh, because God hates idolatry stubbornness arrogance presumption insubordination rebellion an inability to submit to bend is a serious matter because god when he sees it he sees it as idolatry now what you'll notice about a religious spirit is they're very uh mind-based okay they have a lot of head knowledge they desire to learn more Uh, They're very cerebral, very analytical. Uh, They want to gain more knowledge and keep learning and learning. And that's how they have a lot of leverage on you. Because oftentimes they know more than you because they've studied different uh, commentaries or know the different history about different things. They're all about the mind. And when you're stubborn in the mind and believe, uh, believe that your religious beliefs are correct, when you actually haven't come to these convictions by the Holy Spirit or by your own searching of the scriptures, what you're essentially doing is you're trusting in your mind. Your mind has now become your idol. You're worshiping your mind and basically saying, I'm exalting my mind above God. And this is why stubbornness is as idolatry. Psalm 106.36 makes it very clear that behind every idol is a demon. In fact, did you know that Jesus always used the most rough and harshest tones, not with the prostitutes and the tax collectors again, but it was with the religious leaders of the day. And he actually went further to expose the truth of their spiritual condition. It says in John 8.44, you are of your father, the devil. That's intense, huh? And your will is to do your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is the father of lies. Matthew twenty-three fifteen says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourself. 
Jesus doesn't get any harsher than this. He's basically calling you a son of the devil. Okay, we have to fight and war against a religious spirit because it's straight up from hell. It's straight up demonic. Okay, these are not the people, these, these are not people that are thinking different than us. Perhaps they have a different perception. These are not people that are just overly analytical or people that disagree. It's people that are filled with the wrong spirit. And for those of us, uh, those of who, who are given completely over to a religious spirit, uh, do not be surprised later if you find out that they're not even true Christians. Christians, sure, can be uptight, stubborn, and hypocritical. But true hypocrites and idolaters are not true Christians. They're like Judas. They just appear right on the outside, but on the inside, Jesus already knows their heart. Now, in Matthew 23, 13, again, uh, Jesus is talking about people who are completely given over to a religious spirit. Again, these are people that are not Christians, but true hypocrites and idolaters. He says to them, but woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's face, for you neither enter yourself nor allow those who would enter to go in. He says in Matthew 15, you hypocrites. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Now, before you think a religious spirit is a they problem, and before you think that you can be completely given over to religious spirit, know that every one of us is vulnerable to be attacked. And again, uh, as Pastor Christian has said before, that the more knowledge and the more wisdom you have, the more vulnerable you are to an attack of the religious spirit. Now, what we need to do as a church, we need to recognize a religious spirit. We have to fight against the religious spirit, really war against it, and really pray that the religious spirit will get completely demolished and uprooted from the church. Now, because uh, uh, I'm an administrator, I want to show you three practical ways, okay, that you can, uh, you can fight against the religious spirit, okay? So as I said, remember that a religious spirit, a person filled with the religious spirit is uh, uptight, stubborn, and full of hypocrisy, okay? So the first one, since the religious spirit is uptight, <laughs> be loose, okay? <laughs> be free, Okay? Yes. Okay? Uh, the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Christianity is not all about being uptight or you did something wrong, you said something wrong, you cursed last week! Okay? That's not what Christianity is about, okay? Christianity is about being able to look past that and celebrating the revival taking place in the tax collector's house. Be loose! When you go evangelizing, don't be afraid to approach the person who has a beer and has a smoke. Okay? Uh, we can't depend on our own understanding. Uh, the Bible says the spiritual truth can only be spiritually discerned by the Spirit of God. Many times those people that are really promiscuous or have all these like addictions and stuff, they're the people that are, are crying out for Jesus desperately crying out for a savior. Now, if you're trusting in your own interpretations or trusting very smart men with MDivs and PhDs, instead, you want to take on a childlike heart and read the Bible again. Now, I just want to say it's completely okay to want to study the Bible. 
and uh, gain more knowledge, read commentaries, find historical background, because that you know, helps us. But what I'm saying is that instead of concentrating so much on those things, we really have to follow the Spirit of God and ask for revelation. Now, again, we do need spiritual mentors, people who are watching over us. Uh, we need people to speak uh, into our lives. But remember that you yourself are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate counselor. He leads us into all truth. And so the person that you must most depend on is the Holy Spirit. And the only way that the Holy Spirit will give you revelation is if you're humble, keep a childlike heart, and not uh, become one that idolizes their mind. Uh, next, since a religious spirit makes people uh, is ha uh, since a religious spirit, uh, <laughs> people are filled with hypocrisy. One way to practically come against that is instead of focusing on your outer righteousness, focus on relationship. Focus on your relationship with Jesus. And not just on appearing righteous. Okay, religious spirits, they love knowledge. They like knowledge. They love knowledge. They embrace it. But what we need is not more knowledge. What we need is Jesus. Jesus in relationship with us. Not a whole lot of people going to talk about different historical things and Jewish facts. But people who obey the word of God in relationship with him. And if a religious spirit attacks you from the outside, you can uh, look in the Gospels as to how Jesus dealt with the religious spirit. Again, time and time and again in all the Gospels, you see the Pharisees approaching Jesus, talking to Jesus. We have to study these passages to see how Jesus responded in order to know, hey, as Christians, how can we respond to a religious spirit? If you read on Matthew 12, every time the religious spirit spoke up, Jesus would respond with a question. Now, I did say before that Jesus would yell at them and say, you hypocrites and you, your, your father is the devil. And you do, I don't suggest that you do this to people who you feel like have the religious spirit. Instead, I'll follow another way that Jesus did. And oftentimes Jesus would ask them a question. They would say something so they came to test Jesus. Should we give uh, this money to Caesar or to, I forget, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> and, then Jesus, and then Jesus said, well, look at the coin. Look at the coin. And they look at the coin. Whose face is on it? Oh, Caesar's. Then give to Caesar's, you know, what is his, okay? He responded often with a question. So many people with the religious spirit uh, many times have come to me question what's going on what kind of authority do you have to be a pastor here in busan different things i do not say much i just respond with a question do you like seeing the lives of people transformed okay sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but it's all along the it, it's all depending on the process of where they're at right and another time, uh, a friend had come up to me and had, had harsh, like, talked about, I heard about your church, and your church is doing all these crazy fasts, 21-day fast, blah, 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 blah. And, and I, I, just, I, I just told him, hey, even if I talk about this, do you agree that we won't come to an agreement? And he said, yes. So I said, okay, 
Why don't we move on? And we just kind of skipped it over. Because when you deal with people with the religious spirit, you cannot argue with them. Because a lot of the times they're smarter than you. Okay? <laughs> they have all this knowledge. And they'll be like, oh, what's 2 Corinthians? Blah, 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 blah. And then I'm still looking at my Bible. Second, <laughs> Second Corinthians. Oh, oh, my gosh. And so, you know, what I've learned is to really follow the leading of the spirit to be loving, to share, to ask questions instead, because you cannot win a religious spirit by logic. It must be done, attacked, directed, not only in your prayers, but it, it's, it's a demonic spirit. You're like, oh, we're going to talk to you, demon. You cannot do that. You have to war uh, specifically against it. And so one practical way is to ask questions. Another is just to skip over. But you guys are filled with the Spirit, so ask Holy Spirit at the time, and I'm very sure that he will guide you. Okay? In uh, a reason that I really felt like we needed to hear this message is because the religious spirit is very much affecting the youth of today. If you've noticed, there's so many young people who are falling away from the church. It's said in America that a vast majority of kids who grew up in high school going to the church in college, they fall away. And I believe a lot of this is because of the religious spirit, of the traditions of, of wanting to appear righteous and holy. And as Christians, we must target the spirit not only in prayer to really war against it. Uh, when we pray for the nation of Korea, we, we pray for the youth. This is one way we can practically target the youth is by targeting the religious spirit. Because they get so turned off by wearing really nice clothes to church and doing this and that. It's something that's real. It's something that's affecting our youth, the people around us. And we must learn to discern it by the Spirit of God, to pray and to really war against it, and also to guard ourselves against becoming vulnerable to religious spirit. Okay, let's just take this time to pray.